0: I want to do something uh, different this morning. I'm going to give you a date, year actually, 2007. Got it? 2007. I want everyone to think about where you were in 2007. Think about something, a life event. If you are sitting there this morning and you're looking at your mommy going, 2007, and you weren't born yet, that's okay. Think about the first thing you remember. This is what I want you to do. 2007, the year. Turn to the person to your right. Or the person you're sitting next to and share what you remember about the year 2007. Ready? Go. 2007. What do you remember? 2007 uh, was the year my dad passed
1: away.
0: Wow. 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 All right, this is what I want you to do. If you shared a mile marker that you might consider to be like joyous, think about something that maybe happened in 2007 that wasn't joyous. Or if you shared something that wasn't joyous, think about something that happened in 2007 that may fall in the joy spectrum, ready? So 2007, think about something that is opposite of the emotion that you just shared, right? So if you just shared, uh, for instance, that was the year my grandmother died, right? Maybe you could think 2007 that was actually the year I also graduated from high school or something, right? So share with your neighbor something that happened in 2007 that's sort of the opposite. Ready? Go. I began talking with my brother again. He estranged uh, himself for seven years. After the death. Did it happen after your dad died?: Wow. Was that a good thing? It was different. He and I were very, very close. And when he got married, the woman he married kind
1: of went.
0: But then you had a a returning. All right, everybody have a chance to share? I'm really impressed. I didn't see one person do the move that I did this past week. I was thinking about 2007 and I couldn't remember. And so I pulled out my cell phone and I thought, you know what? I'll just go to my photos. And I'll sort it through the years, and I'll just, like, I'll have some memories in there. But here's the problem. Um, I didn't get a cell phone until 2011. Well, I didn't get an iPhone until 2011. And so I was sorting through my photos, and I was like, I don't know, what is the very first photo I have on my iCloud? And this is a picture. This is the very first picture I have on my phone. Here's the tricky thing. This photo is... Sarah Ruffner in the middle, Sarah's dad in the white hair on the left, and me somewhere on the right. I'm sort of blending in. This is um, when we are literally getting married in 2008. But I have it on my phone, on a phone that I didn't get until 2011. Because apparently when you set up your phone way back then, you could like uh, choose photos from your hard drive to put them on your phone. And I think I made it my first screensaver. And this is the very first photo. Number one, like if you scroll through the, I don't know, how many photos do you have on your phone? If you scroll through all of those, this is photo numero uno for me. 2007, when you think about it, There have been thousands of moments that have happened since then that have led you here. Literally thousands of moments that have happened since 2007 that have led you to sit where you're sitting this morning next to who you are sitting with. When you think about it, I mean when you really stop and think about it, It's almost a miracle. It's almost a miracle because uh, those thousands of moments have been spirit-filled. Even the moments that bring you great joy, but also the moments that you, uh, if given the option, you would never uh, choose to do again. But they all belong. They've led you here. And when you really stop and think about it, this room of this makeup of these particular people sitting where you are sitting this morning. And some of you, you come here all the time, and you've chosen to sit on the other side of the aisle this morning, Debbie. (laughs) And you're sitting next to a family that you never sat next to before. And it's a miracle. In 2007, um, there were a group of families here at the church that year that presented their children to receive the sacrament of baptism in 2007. And those kids were infants. Uh, They didn't know their parents' first names. They didn't know how to articulate when they were hungry or when their uh, diapers needed to be changed, other than just to, like, scream and wail. And those parents uh, were sleep-deprived, and they really looked at their kids every time and thought, this is the most beautiful child that has ever been born into the earth, right? Right. And this was long before those parents, Julie, realized that uh, their kids would grow up, and they would stay out past curfew, and they would date, and go to prom, and graduate, and go to college. But in 2007, those parents presented their children for baptism, and uh, they made baptismal promises on their children's behalf to raise them into faith to promise long before those infants could articulate for themselves uh, to follow in the ways of Christ. And today, this Sunday, the Sunday following Easter, Resurrection Sunday, is Confirmation Sunday in the life of this community of faith. Confirmation is those infants in 2007 will now stand before the congregation at the 1030 hour and confirm the baptismal promises their parents made on their behalf. Like these children that couldn't articulate their favorite food will now confirm, in mere words, their own faith. And when you stop and think about it, some might call it a miracle. Can you think about the thousands of moments that have led them to that place? This is what I want to do this morning. I want to share with you one of my favorite texts uh, in all of the New Testament and i want to share this text with us and i'm going to sort of teach it this morning it's not going to feel like a regular sermon but we're going to turn to this text on this confirmation sunday because sometimes on confirmation sunday we can think that this is sort of like a graduation day like our young people have graduated in their faith and sometimes it can be tempting to think that our uh, young people are confirming their faith they are confirming what they believe and sometimes uh, in faith communities we can put belief before everything else. But you know that who you were in 2007, that version of you and the version of you that sits here today, a lot has changed since then, hasn't it? You've seen some stuff. You've encountered God in a new way. And the version of you that is sitting here today from 2007 probably believes some things differently. And so Confirmation Sunday isn't just about um, this is what I believe forever and for all times. This is what my parents believed. No, Confirmation Sunday is different from just saying this is what I believe. Confirmation Sunday is this, confirming that we as a people and our uh, students at 1030, we want to confirm that we want to follow in the ways of Christ for the rest of our days. And I want us to think about what it means to follow. Because following doesn't always mean merely believing. And so we're going to turn uh, to the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at the life of Peter. And I want to lift up three things, three pathways of faith, three invitations to faith for us all when we seek to follow the living Christ in the world. And so I'm going to teach as we go. But listen for God's word to the church. Peter, uh, in the Greek, petros, which means the rock. Some people joke and say it's because he was hard-headed. Other scholars say uh, the rock because Jesus, first miracle, converting uh, water into, well done Presbyterians. Um, But those vats that the water was in were stones, And so some scholars say uh, to be called a rock, to be called a stone, is you are a vessel for the living Christ in the world, Peter Petros. Jesus has died. Jesus has been uh, revealed. He reveals himself to the disciples, and this is the third time. When they had finished breakfast, that's uh, Peter and the disciples, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these uh, that word for love in the Greek, agape, do you love me unconditionally? These being 153 fish that they have caught like, I don't know, seven verses before. And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Here's the thing in the Greek, uh, Peter doesn't say agape back to Jesus. Jesus. So Jesus has asked Peter, uh, Simon, son of Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And in the Greek, uh, Peter says, yes, Lord, you know, I phileo you, P-H-I-L-E-O. Uh, I phileo you, which means, you ready? I really like you a lot. <laughs> Anybody ever said that to someone when they say they love you? <laughs> Anybody want a hot mic and tell us about it this morning? <laughs> I like you a lot, Jesus. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, um, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. A second time, uh, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? And Simon Peter said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I helio you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And then Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me in the Greek? Jesus changes the term there. Do you love me like like me a lot? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Do you like me a lot? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything you know that I filio you. Jesus said to him, Well, then feed my sheep. For very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fast, fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. And he said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. And after this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Awaken us, O God, to your spirit that hovers here. Spirit that hovers here in Founders Hall just as she hovered over the waters of creation. Reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here and now. And breathe new life, O God, into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts. That all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God. For you are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. Jesus invites people in all of the gospels to believe in him twice. Jesus invites people in all of the Gospels to follow him 22 times. Jesus tells over 70 parables. Jesus does, depending on the scholarly accounts, he does more miracles than we can actually count. Uh, belief for Jesus didn't seem to be the goal that he had in mind. Jesus and the Gospels were was always inviting people to follow him on a path of the life-giving Christ. So friends, three things I want to highlight from this text of what it means to follow Christ. Following Christ means that we will always arrive at an expansive love. Following the living Christ will always lead us to an expansive love. Peter, the last time, Uh, Jesus, Peter uh, replied what he knew about Jesus three times. It was in the dark on the night that Jesus was uh, arrested and betrayed. uh, Peter was asked, are you a disciple of him? And he denied him three times and on the third time a cock crowed. It was in the darkness by a fire that Peter denied Christ. It is on the beach at the early Dawn, when Jesus feeds Peter again. Think about that the imagery, the darkness at night, a place that feels secluded. And Jesus meets Peter at a beach at the dawn, an expansiveness of creation. And Jesus meets Peter and asks him, Do you love me? And when Peter can't love Jesus to the full measure, Jesus changes that definition to meet Peter where he is. God will always present us when we follow the ways of Christ an expansiveness of love and of faith than we could ever imagine. That's number one. Number two, when we seek to follow the ways of Christ, every ending is actually a new beginning. Every time we come up in a season of our life or our faith, or our world where we think we are at the end, when we seek to follow the living Christ, every ending is actually not an ending. It's a new beginning. Peter thought that when he denied Jesus and uh, Jesus was handed over and he was crucified, he thought that he was at the end. Jesus finds Peter and the disciples in the resurrected form to say, yeah, 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 Peter, you thought that was the end, but it's not the end. Every end is a new beginning. Peter will leave this encounter with Jesus on the beach, and he will leave a different person. He will live as a new creation. Friends, every time in your life you think that you've reached the end. End of a relationship, end of a job, end of a season of your life, like confirmation or uh, graduation is coming up just in like days Just when uh, you've lost a parent and you are now, for the first time in your whole life, you are walking on this earth for the first time without a mom, like in a physical form, or a dad. Every time uh, you decide to move and you think, I don't know, there go the boxes, that's the end of it. Every ending through faith is actually a new beginning. Because we follow a resurrected Christ. Life is always anew. The third thing I want to point out in this, we can sometimes think faith is guarding what we believe. I'll never forget when I was going to seminary, um, I had like this going away tour, which meant I was just having uh, dinner with all the people who raised me, and uh, we would go to dinner at people's homes, and one night someone said, Matthew, can I walk you out to your car? And I said, man, I would love for you to walk me out to my car, and they said, "Um, here's the thing, your faith is so strong, just promise me one thing, when you go to Atlanta and you go to seminary, you won't lose your faith, like you won't change. And I said, what do you mean? They said, I don't know. Sometimes you can go to seminary and they fill you with all those thoughts. And um, I just don't want you to lose your faith. Just protect your faith. If we're really honest, sometimes we can uh, treat the Bible and our faith as something that we have to guard. Something that we have to protect. Something that is airtight. And if doubt ever gets in there, then somehow we are unfaithful. The third thing we learn when following the living Christ is that Christ never says, protect me. Christ actually never says, guard everyone against me. No, no, no. Christ never says, do not change. Christ actually says, um, he never says, well, never doubt. The third invitation to following the living Christ is that when we follow the living Christ is to know that we will be forever changed. A minute ago I said, uh, the you that was uh, represented in those photos in 2007 is a different you than you that sits here right now, and you all went, yep, mm mm-hmm, didn't have this little guy. You know that to be true so deeply within your very being that you know that the very notion of you that was here in 2017 and the version of you that is here today, um, your belief systems have changed. Because when you orient yourselves to following the living Christ, you will come to know what? An expansiveness of God that will change who you believe the Christ to be. You will come to encounter a love that is so much bigger than you thought that you knew. By following the living Christ and not just merely believing in him, uh, it will lead you to places that you never thought that you should go. And it will lead to uh, tending and feeding and caring and suffering and loving. Following the living Christ will change everything. And that's the good news. Because the good news is, my friends, Christ is not dead. We don't have to hold on to him or guard him or protect him. Christ is alive and loose in the world. And the invitation has been the same forever and for always. Follow me. For when we follow Christ, we will be oriented to the life-giving path of God but you know this to be true. Today, after worship, this would be really fun to do with your kids as well if you've got little ones. This afternoon, pull out your iPhone. Go back to the very first photo in your iPhone. Get sucked in for 20 minutes and just scroll. And see if you don't see, man, Christ was there. I wasn't alone. Man, I thought that was the end. It was actually a new beginning. Oh, man. I used to believe that, but look, a lot's changed since then. Oh, my gosh. There's a photo of Olivia, October 15th. I used to think I knew what love was. There's an expansiveness. Friends, follow in the way of Christ so that we might be awakened to Christ's presence found in all places and all seasons. Will you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us and mold us and fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.